Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 or on the internet, wherever you are. You are listening to us, myself, Lawson, and my incredible co-host, Monica. How's it going? Oi, I'm amazing and you look amazing. Thank you. you, you you've done some switch-ups recently. Yeah, yeah. I cut my hair off. Okay. What's really going to blow your mind, Lawson, is uh-huh. you're seeing me for the second time with my hair cut off. No way. You're just only noticing today. Oh, is it because <laughs> you had it up yesterday or something? I had it in a little dinky ponytail. Ah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you're hiding it from us. No, you could totally see that it was chopped. No, well, I Usually my ponytail... The ponytail was behind your head. How was I supposed to see that? I sit like this, which means you look at my side. No, that far. doesn't make sense. <laughs> we look at e- we look in each other's eyes. What do you mean? <laughs> For long, long pauses. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's the nature of the game. That's what we're doing here on yeah, radio. Yeah, look, I actually did a segment on uh, Faith FM months ago talking about how I was going to cut my hair and donate it to the Alopecia Society. And I talked about sustainable salons and... And uh, and hairdressers that are working to have zero waste and the, you know the incredible things they're doing, and I had uh, I was I did that segment because I had planned to cut my hair that day and then my hairdresser got COVID, and then we just never able to um, rebook it until uh, Wednesday night, so two nights mm-hmm. ago, and so yeah, I chopped off almost half a meter of hair. And, um, yeah, That's crazy. yeah, and so I'm gonna be that is it, a lot of hair. It's a lot. I mean, if you laid it out end to end, though. That would be like meters and probably meters and moon. meters of yeah. hair. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, and now, actually, do you know what? I probably could have gone a bit shorter. I might get cut again, but it's just just sitting on my shoulders at the moment. So I think it looks good. Oh, thanks. I think, I think you're killing it. I, I think know you like you're, short hair. You're also. kicking goals. <laughs> I didn't get a haircut yesterday. Oh, didn't you? No. Nah, oh. I just went for a run. Oh, oh did you vomit? No. Okay. I didn't. So I'm getting there. You know, I'm I'm, I'm building. building up. Yeah, I'm ready. City to surf. Here I come. Oh, you meet us at the city to surf, by the way. Well, coming up in today's show, we're going to be talking about my favorite topic. Do, do you know what that is? Oh, please don't say sport. I was going to say feminism. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. So we're going to talk about feminism <laughs> and we're going to talk about North Korea as well. Oh, that's one of my favorite topics. Really? Communism. I... <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about feminism and communism on the show this morning and talk about how they're impacting our world and what's happening in that space. What are you going to talk about this morning, Monica? I'm going to be talking about uh, some ocean species and extinction and expeditions and all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Joined by myself, Lawson, and the amazing Monica. Monica, you need to give us our first clue for the quiz, for the final quiz for the week. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's really all happening today. It is. We're going to be doing the uh, the prize draw for the Sue Rad book. How mm-hmm. exciting. Absolutely. We've been doing so many who am I's and what number am I's. I'm looking for one of those where am I's. Mm-hmm. Oh, here we go. What book mm-hmm. am I? Mm-hmm. Oh, la, la. Hang on. Let me have a quick look. Oh, yeah, this one's good. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, wait. I can't pronounce those names. I'll do this one. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> oh no! Wait, that one's also got terrible. You, you, you just <sighs> you're just in a dilemma, no matter what. Just pick the better book okay. and then just fumble your way through it. <laughs> okay, wise words <laughs> from Young Lawson. Okay, mm-hmm. what book am I? My last verse reads: Day by day, the king of Babylon gave Jehoiakim a regular allowance as long as he lived until the day of his death. 
Oh, I know the answer. If you know the answer, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. And if you call or text that number with the correct answer, you will go into the draw to win none other than Surad's Food as Medicine. An incredible, you call it a textbook, an encyclopedia. I don't know what it is. Well, I do know what it is. It's a very big book. It's humongous. With lots of lots of It's award-winning. It. It's won multiple awards, including the uh, the best health and nutrition cookbook in the world for the 2017 at the prestigious wow. World Cookbook Awards. So this is like a serious, serious volume. Man, you can get like the best of 2017, which is probably like one of the best years mm, that has mm-hmm. happened in like the last 10 years. Because <laughs> everything after that, like think of like after 2019, is like COVID and stuff, you know. So 2017, that's where I want to be. Uh, so, so you, you make sure you get in, guys. 0491-064-669. Do you want to read that? Clue one more time for us. My last verse reads, Day by day, the king of Babylon gave Jehoiakim a regular allowance as long as he lived until the day of his death. All right, Monica, give us some positively different news. I'm going to give a a tiny little personal piece of good news. I just want to have a humble brag Mm -hmm. on air. Um, DJ Shell just reminded me of this. My older brother... Uh, Marty, uh, I'm sure some people who are listening know my brother Marty. Um, mm. He uh, he's an emergency room nurse down in Tasmania, and uh, and the city of Launceston, uh, where he works, he works at the, at the LGH Launceston General Hospital. And the city of Launceston uh, on Fridays they do something called Fabulous Five on Fridays, where they where they um, they do a shout out to five people who've been nominated. By uh, by the Launceston community mm. to thank them for their fantastic customer service, and my brother is uh, is one of today's fabulous five on Fridays. So yeah, he's been. Uh, if you go to the city of Launceston Facebook, and uh, you can see it says you know they'd like to give a shout out to this and this person, and Martin from the Launceston General Hospital LGH Emergency Department. Yeah, thanks, DJ Shell. <laughs> just, just the be- like the best nurse of all time ever. Is yeah, that, is that what it's trying to yeah, say? Yeah, well, my brother and I are chalk and cheese. He's he's the guy you want around in an emergency. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's very good in emergencies. He's a, yeah, he definitely is a great nurse, and I I'm very proud of him. He, I'm his little sister, and and um, yeah, he really impressed me because he he changed careers. Um, you know. At a, at a later age, and he went back to school, much like you're doing at the moment. And he studied nursing in his thirties. I've, ne- I've never been to school. It, well, you're I still, get you're, yeah, career you've change. never ever ever been to school. <laughs> well, like like high school. But. Yeah. Well, anyway, my brother was on a different career path, and in his thirties, decided, you know what, I'm going to go back to school. So he went back to uni and studied um, nursing, and so now he's an ER nurse, and I'm very very proud of him. Anyway, I have the coolest mm. piece of news. This is so, so amazing. More than 5,000 ocean species entirely new to science have been discovered by an English expedition in the Pacific Ocean. So this is uh, – I'm just mind-blown that there's still so many so many species that we don't know about that are still up for discovery. When I was a kid, I, I had this, like, sense of doom where I was like, man, there's nothing new left to discover. There's nothing, like – you can't be a, a mm. you know an explorer anymore and go discover a new country because they've all been done right mm. and um so this is really warming my little teenage heart uh but the the five thousand new marine species include strange shellfish uh carnivorous sponges sea cucumbers worms urchin like spiny and vertebrates really cool stuff so this is published in the uh in the um research was published in the journal current biology uh which actually supports the notion that we know more about space. 
that we know about the deep ocean, mm. uh, which is not – I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest. Um, they were found – and get this, I didn't know this place existed. They were found in the clarion Clipperton zone. Have you ever heard of the clarion Clipperton zone? No, where is that? It's called the CCZ. It's a region covering nearly 400 square miles between Mexico and Hawaii. Uh-huh. So, so ah, okay. The yeah, CCZ is actually almost as big as Australia. Wow. And uh, it's one of the most pristine wildernesses on Earth. It's been unfortunately divided up for future deep sea mining. Mm. So biologists are compiling the first CCZ checklist to shed light on what might be lost if companies start drilling. Um, so it's enormous space. And uh, uh, team member Muriel Rabone said, uh, there's just some remarkable species down there. Uh, this guy is a deep sea ecologist. He works at the London's Natural Museum, uh, Natural History Museum. He said some of the sponges look like classic bath sponges and some look like vases. They are just beautiful. One of my favorites is the glass sponges. They have these little spines and under the microscope, they look like tiny chandeliers or little sculptures. It's so cool. So, um, uh, the, the, this, um, checklist that they're compiling these biologists to sort of, you know, maybe deter uh, mining this CCZ. Uh, it includes apparently a total of 5,578 different species found in the region, um, up to 92% of which are entirely new to scientists. Man, mm. if, I was a, if I was a scientist, I'd be so excited right now about this, mm. about this massive discovery. Um, they were all collected during cruises by the Royal Research Ship James Cook. Um, so apparently remote-controlled robots traversed the ocean floor and picked up samples and placed them in a, like a simple, pretty much a simple box. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and each, and each, every single box contained core samples um, and each box basically contains just a ton of new, new species. Um, and uh, only six of the species of the creatures described in over a hundred thousand records have ever been seen in other parts of the planet, suggesting that the CCZ, this this fourth, this like a patch as big as Australia, it actually hosts a unique ecosystem. Mm. Like you know how in Australia we have all these weird and wacky animals that you don't get anywhere else. Oh, They're suggesting love. that this patch of ocean is the same. It has a bunch of animals like you've never seen before. Mm. So they're saying it's vital to learn more about these newly discovered species and how they connect to the environment around it. And um, and so they're urging researchers to delve into the biogeography uh, of the region to better understand, for example, why certain species cluster in particular geographical regions mm-hmm. and um, to find out, you know, why are they sticking out, hanging out in this area and not going anywhere else. And uh, and uh, Miguel says, there are so many wonderful species in the CCZ and the possibility of mining looming, uh, with the possibility of mining looming, is doubtfully important that we know more about these, so um, doubly important that we know more about how these uh, understudied habitats uh, work. Mm. So, yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on. I would hate to see this this patch loss. I mean, obviously it's huge. It's the size of Australia. But Yeah, absolutely. Are you into marine mining? Uh, uh, no, like not at all. No, I, th- <laughs> I think that it would be fantastic to be able to keep this, as you said, like is such a an amazing, unique ecosystem in the ocean protected. Like I'm all for using the resources that we have on this earth, but in a responsible way, like if we, you know, if we can do things in areas where there, you know, is far less important marine, you know, fauna or flora, either either under the sea or not even marine, but also when we talk about like above land as well, I'm like, yeah, go for it. Um, you know, if you can mine coal in the middle of the desert, go for it. You mm. know, like it's it's the desert. But yeah, to just 
to absolutely destroy an, a, a really unique and vital in- ecosystem as that one. That's just sad. And I, I, I feel like doing this kind of stuff in the ocean is always more dangerous than doing it on land because mm. the oceans are all connected, right? Mm. So what happens in one patch will eventually leak into other patches if something absolutely. goes wrong. Whereas, you know, if something happens in the desert, it's pretty well contained. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Hey. So, yeah, they just need, they just need help. Yeah, they really do. Uh, just a quickly last one, last story. Something for you to do this weekend. Download the new app called Hiker with a double I, H-I-I-K-E-R. It's a popular hiking app. Apparently it's oh. released over 27,000 trail maps for free, purely to increase hiker safety. Um, so this will usually have to pay for this app, but they've mm. released all their trail maps from its database totally free and you can download them to your smartphone or to your smartwatch um, and get out there and do some hiking and this uh, this this app is going to help keep you safe. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Wait, do you want to come for a run with me on Sunday? I'm pretty sure I have COVID right now as I sit before you, so no. I'm pretty sure I'm going to go home to bed and sleep for about five days straight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard it here first, folks. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Join my Monica, myself, and myself, well, Lawson. Yeah, you're joining yourself, are you? (laughs) Yeah, myself, Lawson. And Monica, you're going to give us another clue for the quiz. Yes, what book am I? The word prophet is found most often in this book of the Bible, a total of 44 times. Wow. Mm. Absolutely. Okay, if you know the answer, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. And if you call and text and get that answer correct, you'll go into the draw to win Food as Medicine by Sue Rudd. Sue Rudd? Sue Rudd. You are listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. And, okay, so I said in our intro section that I was going to talk about feminism. Uh, And so, basically, there has been uh, a presentation at Oxford University um, where, well, addressing the Oxford Union by an Oxford University graduate and professor. Her name is Kathleen Stock. Now, Kathleen Stock is a tried and true modern feminist, okay? Mm-hmm. She's like a feminist's feminist. Mm-hmm. All right. So she like like she's a, she's an academic feminist. So she's writing books about, you know, breaking the glass ceiling and womanhood and equal rights and like like really when it comes to feminist understanding and feminist doctrine, like she is she is there. She's on the forefront of Putting women first, that kind of thing, um, and she is even, uh, you know, she's she's not Christian. Secondly, she's she's not religious, uh, and she has openly before said that, oh, you know, we should support the LGBT community and support trans people. But in her book, she has a book called Material Girls, which is you know, kind of outlining her beliefs on women in the in society and whatnot. Um, in this book. She wrote that um, trans people cannot expect all the rights afforded by, you know, having the biological sex that you identify as. Mm -hmm. Like, if you are a man, biologically, who identifies as a woman, there are some rights that you cannot possibly obtain that a woman has. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, for example, maternity leave. Yeah. Because you... 
can't, can't, can't gestate, can't, can't lactate, that's right. can't menstruate. That's right. Yeah. Um, and these are, you know, these are biological facts. Again, her place in society, she's not like a christian she's not you know she's not advocating she she's not even like you know again in the in the in the conversation of abortion say she's pro-choice like she's she's all of these things that in in the secular world she she is a feminist Mm -hmm. yet at her latest address in the at the oxford union she was mobbed by trans activists for the comments that she made a quote-unquote against trans people yeah which I just outlined, uh-huh. which is the most clear and obvious thing that anyone could ever say. And and her, considering herself as an ally of the trans community, said, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, she is uh, in this position where she is <laughs> everywhere she goes to speak is then uh, protested against. Now, at Oxford University, their LGBT, uh, LGBTQ plus society wore T-shirts saying no more dead trans kids. And they marched in op- opposition to her invitation to speak at the union. Um, one protester glued themselves to the floor. What? Uh, and just and wouldn't leave. And then, you know, was arrested by police and, you know, picked up off the floor. Um, she was actually previously also working at the University of Sussex as well. Uh, but she was targeted by activists there because of her views on gender. Um, so she, well, again, this is another thing that she said. Um, even though she supports, you know, trans rights, she says trans ideologies has had some negative implications for hard-won women's rights, mm-hmm. which is we've talked about this before on the show, like women's safe spaces, for example. Um, it can It's a difficult conversation when you, you know, include the trans movement in that one because is a woman's spa- safe space really a woman's safe space when it's occupied by biological men? So, yeah, because of this, she is just being continually... Attacked everywhere she goes to speak, she's been mobbed, and I just find this so interesting because, like, feminism we- and trans trans are, are opposing beliefs, a hundred percent. Because if you look at the there's all the ways throughout history that men have oppressed and abused women, mm-hmm. like it is an endless story, like from genital mutilation to chopping off women's feet to all the different kinds of abuses that have been suffered mm-hmm. by women at the hands of men. Like the one thing men don't get to do is wake up one morning and decide they want to be one of us. Mm. As if they're just them deciding they want to be one of us suddenly makes them a part of like what I would think is like a, almost like a sacred sisterhood. Mm-hmm. Like you're dreaming. Like you're absolutely dreaming. You think you can just be one of us because you want to be one of us. That's not something that women are going to suffer in my opinion. I just – sorry. I just am very – that's – that just boggles my mind. Absolutely. And I think here, like, well, obviously we're coming from a Christian perspective here on the show and we have lots to say on this topic, especially regarding the trans community and like the trans community is fighting for this catch cry is at this show. They're like, their, their slogan is no more dead trans kids. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially blaming this writer, Kathleen Stock for, pre- for purveying the idea uh, that men and women are different that she is contributing to trans people dying. But again, the and I always bring this up because this is the narrative that's always pushed by the LGBT and by the trans community as to, it's like, oh, you need to 
you know, everyone should feel bad for us and and you need to protect our rights and da-da-da-da. I'm like, I'm all for giving people rights. But it's it is like because trans people are dying. And then the question is, okay, well, how are trans people dying? Are they dry, dying from some disease? Are they getting killed in the street? Are they literally being murdered? How are they dying? No, the, tr- the biggest cause of death in the trans community continually is suicide. Mm. This is how trans people are dying. And it's like, oh, how do we save trans kids from dying? Treat yeah. their illness. Yeah. Th- this is in every single other practice of medicine. Mm-hmm. When we see that something leads to death, we treat it. Yeah. But for some reason in the trans community, we and and by the way, the research has is just fully out there to show mm-hmm. that pre and post transition, it does not lead to an increase or decrease or the rate of suicide does not change. Mm-hmm. It is just ridiculously high. And no matter what, like people facing body dysmorphia and who identify as trans, um, it is just ridiculously high and there is no change either pre or post transition, um, P or pre also pre or post surgery, which again is the narrative being pushed that if we would just give surgery to these people who have, you know, again, no more dead trans kids. If you would just, you know, prescribe, um, you know, just give them what they want. Mastectomies and life altering medication. If we just gave that to them, then they wouldn't die anymore, but that's just not the case. And then they say, Oh, well that's because of, of bullying. Uh, that that's because, you know, the reason they're dying now is because of, uh, you know, uh, societal, um, what's what's the word to say? Oppression, right? But but again, you know, in in the case of Kathleen Stock, writing in her academic journal, she writes a bunch of this stuff that I don't agree with yeah, yeah, about yeah. women. Mm-hmm. Um, but writing that, oh yeah, like you know, biological males can't expect to have the same rights as biological females, even if they d- identify as female, for very obvious reasons, mm-hmm. which I brought up before, like maternity leave. <laughs> like, yeah, like you just you just can't take maternity leave if you can't have a child. Um, uh, yet the, she's being just overwhelmingly attacked for her position and views from just a completely irrational point of view. Again, like we, and even bringing up the topic of suicide, 131114, uh, that is the lifeline number. And we want, if you are struggling with these kinds of feelings, and if you are in that kind of position, we want to advise you to get help. But this is my point. This is, this is the point that Kathleen Stock is making, even from a perspective that I don't entirely agree with is man, get help. We want to help you. We want to, we're all for, we're all for helping you. Uh, in a way that actually works. In, in a way that actually works. But yeah, I just, I just, it's really sad, I think, for the trans community because um, every way in which I see them try to prove their point, they just fail. Um, and so like, I, I've just never taken a step of being convinced as to, you know, their argument because when they show up at rallies like this and glue themselves to the floor, I'm like, man, like, how how am I supposed to agree? I'm mm-hmm. I'm trying, even though I don't agree ideolo- ideologically because of my beliefs, I'm like, I'm trying to see where you're coming from, but I increasingly and increasingly and increasingly can't. And then it just makes me worried for children. Oh, 100%. And then it just makes me like, oh, man, like, I just feel more and more like I don't want to be antagonistic towards this group, but why are they acting like this? Like, why are they doing this? Hey, if you guys have any thoughts, 0491-064-669. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. 
and Monica is about to bring us another clue for the quiz. What book am I? This is a quote from the book. It says, this is what the Lord says. Let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me. If you know the answer to that one, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. If you call or text that number, you get your answers in, and then you'll go into the draw to win Surad's Food as Medicine, which we are going to be drawing right at the end of this show, around 8.30, 8.45 today, so stay tuned for that. Right now, you are listening to The Breakfast Show, and we have, for our interview today, none other than Tony Benjamin from Voice of the Martyrs. Tony, are you there with us? Yes, I am. Good morning to you guys. Oh, good morning, Tony. Good early, early morning for you, Tony, because aren't you on the West Coast? Yes, I am. What's the time <laughs> over there? It's 5.30 in the morning, yeah. Wow. <sighs> Dude, we appreciate you. We are so happy that you are here with us to talk about all problem. things Christian persecution in our world right now and, and what's taking place. So tell us about it. What is what is happening in the world? Well, I've recently just, um, as recently as last week, just returned from Vietnam. And it wow. was very interesting um, for those who aren't aware. I used to live in Vietnam for a few years. Mm. And um, going back after... Four years, um, there's just been so many changes there in that we spoke with many um, Christians over there and there's such a massive divide now between the registered church and the unregistered church. And what that means is Mm. that the registered church or the church uh, or churches that have decided to comply with the government's requirements of knowing who they are participants or their members are, and they align themselves with the government's view that the church has got to be regulated. Mm. So they, uh, the pastor or any of those church members cannot share or be active in any form of Christianity outside of those four walls. Mm. And and somehow they think this is okay. So the unregistered church or the church uh, churches that have decided, no, 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 we want to spread the true gospel. We don't want to be hamstrung by this. You know, God's word does say go into the world and and share the good news. So that is the massive divide happening in Vietnam at the moment. And we're finding that a lot of the denominations are split because of this. People are picking sides and taking sides. The sad reality is that many of the registered churches are dobbing in, if I can use that term, the unregistered churches, and these pastors are being harassed by the government. They are being ostracized, their families. They're being beaten. Uh, a few of them have been put back in jail in central Vietnam. That is what's happening there at the moment. So it's quite challenging for anybody, but the takeaway for me after spending a week there and listening to the testimonies and having conversations with uh, believers from the unregistered church, we consider to be the true believers, they're just totally steadfast. They're not concerned about the fact that they may get ostracized or beaten or questioned or anything. They're going to do what they're going to do regardless. So um, one of the young pastors, he's 30 years old, I said to him, so what if you get arrested tomorrow and they kill you? You know, what then? He says, well, then I'm just trusting that somebody can take care of my family. 
So, <laughs> I mean, commitment to to just another level, you know, and it was encouraging to see that. But it is sad that this has been the pattern in China. And as I've always said, what starts in China eventually cascades through the other countries that have this communism um, uh, practice that they have. So it starts in China, then it's Vietnam, then it's Myanmar, then it's Laos, then it's, you know, and mm. so on and so on. So this is what's happening in that part of the world at the moment. Mm, absolutely. So we're, we're seeing increasingly this model that we see, you know, that's particularly popular in China of verification just spreading throughout. And then it's, it's just leading all these areas to go underground. That's, oh, that's really difficult. Do you think that it would spread? I, I know that, you know, Korea is considered to be somewhat of like a Protestant powerhouse in, in, um, in in Asia, but for those very you know Christian countries, I think of like Korea and um, uh, the Philippines, say. But then even like ones that are more secular, but they're more developed, like a Japan. Can you see those kind of regulations unfolding there as well? I don't think so. Although, although um, something that I discovered during the time of COVID was that the Korean. Um, government scrutiny over people is at another level. Mm. I mean, they could even check your bank account and see what movements were in your bank account. Now, that is scary if you think about it here in Australia. But um, <clears throat> really, I can't see that happening, um, but that's my own personal view. Mm. Let me say, you mentioned in Korea, mm. um, whilst I was living in Vietnam and traveling through Vietnam, the number of Korean um, ministries that were planted are, are totally unprecedented, you know. Mm. The, many of the Koreans came into Vietnam, planted churches, uh, built buildings, and left them there for the local Vietnamese to develop. The challenge mm. that many of them have there was that these buildings are so big. I mean, we're talking churches that can probably seat five or 600 people in oh, a wow. little village. They just can't maintain them. So whenever you meet any of these local Vietnamese pastors that run these churches, mm. they're always looking for help because they just can't keep up this facility that was there. Now, whilst I commend the Koreans, a small country like Korea, sending out so many missionaries into Asia, um, that was one of the, the challenges that they left behind for the locals, so, mm. which just a, a point to ponder, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so we're seeing these movements in age, in Asia of verification for churches and then, you know, forcing ministries then to go under the, underground at fear of arrest. If we then look at what's taking place in the rest of the world, say, you know, the Middle East and in Africa and whatnot, these places that are notorious for Christian persecution, do we see that widespread kind of government um, model of verification of churches, or you know, is it is it more just direct persecution? We're not seeing the verification there much. We're seeing a more um, in-your-face brutal attack on Christianity, where it's mm. really physical, and uh, like in the Middle East, it's just totally uncompromising with mm. radical Islam, and much the same in Africa. Mm. It's 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 more. Um, primitive, if I can call it that, you know, where we don't like what you're doing, you will get out. We're seeing the same in India. We're seeing, although the world lauded Modi coming to Sydney and doing all these things and that, I mm. mean, the fact that the BJP under his 
leadership is persecuting Christians now more than ever, and their their mantra is India for Indians, and uh, they don't want Christianity in India. There's a lot of problems in India at the mm. moment, which the world is just, you know, blissfully ignoring, mm. which is quite, you know, which is quite infuriating if you think about it, because people are dying because of the motives yeah. of these very people that the West are putting up banners for and opening up stadiums for. That's just crazy, you know. Mm. But that is the reality of what's happening in India at the moment. But the rest of Africa and the Middle East is as primitive in terms of its resistance towards Christianity. Let me say to you something about the Middle East is that the push has been for such a long time for people uh, that are not following Islam to follow Islam or even just overtake or overthrow or overpower their little region there once um Islam has got 50% of it they consider it theirs and they take it over, that any other language other than Islam is dying in the Middle East. Mm. Absolutely dying. Wow. So, Voice of the is what we've done recently is we've reprinted an Aramaic Bible, which is Aramaic, the language Jesus spoke, mm. to, to, to try and help revive that language there in the region, mm. which has got phenomenal historical value for us as Christians. Mm. We've also got a dubbing studio in Iraq where we're translating local language programs so that people can hear more of their local language just to try to revive or keep alive the local languages there and not have the tsunami of Arabic being forced onto people throughout the Middle East, which is currently the case. Mm. Of course, it, it seems as though with this wave of Arabic being forced on the people coming from that is, you know, uh, government governments that are in, in groups that are influenced by Islam, it, it does loads to kind of shut people out from being able to actually access and read the Bible. Is that is that kind of what you're getting at? And the reason why then it's so important to promote um, the continual speaking of these other languages? Correct, yes. And let me let me just add to what you're saying. You've mentioned that word a few times. Government. We really can't rely on government in these areas. We can't. Mm. We've really got to go down on our knees and pray, and we've got to do what we've got to do in terms of getting the message out and getting more um, people, uh, you know, uh, frontline workers on the ground to do the work of the gospel. Mm. Governments, we can't rely on them at all. Mm. Not at all. Wow. Hey, I want to ask you about something. I talked about a story this week of Christian persecution coming from the country of Mexico. Now, Mexico, interestingly, is like 98% Roman Catholic, but simultaneously, even for Roman Catholics, it's, it's considered one of the 38th worst. It's the 38th worst country, uh, according to Open Doors for pers- Christian persecution, because right now there are lots of priests being murdered by, um, by narco-terrorists, essentially, and by cartels. Um, and it's because these priests are seen as, um, you know, objects and obstacles that are getting in the way of them making profit because it's turning people away from, you know, helping the drug trade and towards repentance and Jesus. Um, do we see things happening like that where it's not just governments but outside groups who have an agenda to, say, make money like these 
um, these you know uh, cartels and whatnot. Do we see persecution from them in as in a widespread sense? Like obviously, I, I just gave the example of Mexico, but is mm. that happening often around the world as well? I don't think so much around the world. I think South America, particularly Mexico, is mm. a unique case. And what you've described is not new to us. We've we've heard this too. Mm. We've also, and this is not a, this is not a, a denomination or religious thing. There's a lot of a real left wing type Catholicism thing happening in Mexico, where there's a lot of dark practices there of the dead mm. and all of that sort of thing, you know. And that lends itself to being against the true followers of Catholicism and so on. Mm. But in terms of this um, narco part of it, I mean, look, it's happening there. Needless to say, we would see some of that happen in Africa also, where the, where the church is seen as standing in the way of what these um, cartels are trying to do. Uh, Nigeria would be a similar example. You know, mm. um, but I don't know too many other countries where that would be happening in the name of Catholicism or anything like that. I don't know that there are many countries like that. Uh, South America is unique with its massive following, you know, with that. But um, no, I'm not aware of anywhere else. But Mexico is a scary place for that. Mm. Um, we have been working in Mexico for a long time and in other parts of South America mm. uh, where people are taken advantage of because of these sorts of things and money rules there. So, you know, whoever's got the money's got the power, regardless of what the government says or does. Or, Mm. you know, we've also got places like Colombia where we have similar scenarios with the the FARC gorillas. That's still an active thing there. So, yes, South America is unique in that respect, but we have seen it in places like Nigeria too. Yeah. Mm. So I think then left in a position where we're seeing that the persecution of Christianity is global and particularly coming from a place like Australia where, you know, we are definitely looking out for persecution here as we can see some trends within uh, legislation that seem to push against Christianity. But what can we do from our position here in Australia to enable, you know, these Christians to be able to, you know, simultaneously maybe find safety and refuge, but also the gospel to be spread. What can we do? Look, I think, um, firstly, support organizations like ourselves who actually mm. do that in 68 different countries. The other part is let's not discount the importance and the major emphasis on prayer mm. for persecuted believers, but even those who persecute them. When you speak to people in North Korea, they're not interested in the West coming to save them. They want Kim Jong-un to come to Christ. The same in China with Xi. People want Xi to come to Christ and his parliament. So that's what people there are believing for. Needless for us to say we should believe in something else. But I think if we can align with the commitment and we can align with the prayerfulness of persecuted believers here in the West, I think prayer, you know, is the most powerful weapon we have in our faith. It's a powerful tool we have. So we need to use that. But also I think Christians shouldn't remain silent any longer. And I'm not talking about violently going out into the streets. No, I'm not. Mm-hmm. But we can make our voice heard. We can let people know that we're dissatisfied with something. We can lobby governments to consider why we're doing business with a country that doesn't align with our views. Mm-hmm. These sorts of things we can do. But also when we 
you know, we've had elections and we've had all these sorts of things. We need to also look at who we put into parliament, who we give our vote to. So we have a responsibility as citizens of the country, but also as Christians to make our voice heard and also lobby for those who are persecuted around the world. Absolutely. Tony, thank you so much for joining us this morning to talk about all things uh, Christianity and persecution around the world. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.